Elevation Nation. Welcome or welcome back. This is the Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa. I'm an empath coach and energy healer, Akashic Records practitioner, and animal communicator. If you are just now joining us, first of all, welcome. You are joining a community of elevated empaths who embrace their duality, harness their empathic superpowers, and live consistently as their authentic selves. I am so glad that you're here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I have two one-on-one private coaching spots open right now. So if you're interested in one-on-one empath coaching with me, where we really dive deep into this work and figure out why you are operating from a place that is not authentically you, right? We look into the roots of why you're operating from other people's energy and how to reclaim your energy back so that you are operating as your authentic self, which naturally leads to manifesting the life you want to live because you are operating from your authentic energy, not claiming or manifesting the life that others want you to live. You are what you attract. So if you are yourself, your authentic energy, you're going to attract what you authentically want and desire. So if you're interested in one-on-one coaching with me, the link will be below to apply to learn more. Those spots will not last long. So I highly recommend if you're feeling called to it, at least apply to learn more and we can go from there. I also do Akashic Records readings if you're interested in communicating directly with your spirit team, your masters, teachers, and loved ones, your spirit guides, the entire team of spirits that are assisting you in this lifetime. If you're interested in getting answers about your soul, past lives, your current lifetime, health, body, money, career, relationships, home and family, anything, the Akashic Records have all of the answers about your soul. So if you're interested in that, the link will be below as well. I also do animal communication readings. So if you're interested in a soul connection to your pet, asking your animal's soul about their desires, how to feel, how to make them feel safe, how to connect with them in a deeper way. It's a really, really empowering reading to have to connect you to your pet. So that will also be in the link below. You can learn all about all of my offerings at lisabtag.com, L-I-S-A, V as in boy, T as in Tom, A-G.com. So today on the podcast, we are joined by my dear friend, Amanda Huggins. Amanda Huggins is a respected anxiety and mindfulness coach, certified yoga instructor, brand ambassador, writer, and keynote speaker. After spending nearly a decade in the startup space as a content and communication specialist, Amanda broke past her fears to follow her calling for helping people break past their internal barriers of self-worth, fear, and anxiety. Her unique blend of spiritual, scientific, practical, and accessible approaches has helped hundreds of clients move beyond their anxious minds into a state of profound holistic success. I'm so excited to have Amanda on the podcast today. She 
is such a wealth of knowledge. She is so inspiring. And obviously I felt called to working with her because she was the first coach I ever booked. And she really helped me first build out this business, this entire business that you are confronting by listening to the podcast today. She also helped me break out of an empath narcissist cycle. So if you haven't listened to that episode, it's called Healing from the Toxic Empath Narcissist Cycle. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend you listen to it either before or after this episode. I talk on that episode about my experience and my relationship with a narcissist for 10 plus years and breaking out of that and healing from that. And she was a really integral part in helping me realize what that relationship was and helping me move beyond it. I'm really excited to have her on this week. We talk all about how she started her anxiety coaching business. We also talk about the empath narcissist cycle and how to spot and heal from those toxic relationships, whether it be with a narcissist or something else, and how to build that trust within yourself and advocate for your needs in a relationship, in any relationship, and how to break out of those cycles and how to break out of those patterns so that you can advocate for what you authentically need. And then how to navigate dating anxiety as you step back out onto the scene, onto the dating scene. It is hot girl summer, my friends. It's hot girl life, as she says. I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. I know that you will find it so helpful if you are in a toxic relationship, if you've had a toxic relationship, if you are dating, if you are in a relationship, in any way, shape, or form, I think this will be very useful for you. So don't forget to like, comment, share, subscribe, follow this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, rate this podcast five stars, and write a review, and write in to tell me what you think about this episode. I'd love to hear from you, and let me know what you'd like me to talk about next. And I hope you love this conversation. I know you will, and I will see you at the end. Elevation Nation. Today, we are joined by the Amanda Huggins. I'm so excited for her to be on today. We're going to talk about so many things, anxiety, dating anxiety, the empath narcissist cycle, which you know I love to talk about. Amanda Huggins is a respected anxiety and mindfulness coach, certified yoga instructor, brand ambassador, writer, and keynote speaker. And I'm so excited for her to be on today. Welcome, my dear. I'm so excited to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's just jump in. Let's first talk about you. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell the people a little bit about you and how you got into this work. Yeah. So uh, like Lisa said, I am an anxiety coach. And (laughs) one of the questions I get all the time is like, well, did you go to school to be an anxiety coach? Um, School of life my friends, um, which actually sounds like a simplification. Uh, It's a wild oversimplification. Um, I spent almost a decade in the tech world. Um, I was a big startup jumper uh, between New York and the Bay Area and LA. And while I may have been like good at whatever role I was in, um, 
I had a, a really bad habit of making my job my identity because it was easier to get buried in something that wasn't me rather than to look at, undo my own stuff or develop who I actually wanted to be. So career actually played, it, it certainly wasn't the only thing, but it, it played a big part in me becoming highly anxious, um, highly overwhelmed, depressed, all of that all of that in air quotes, good stuff. Um, but it really was like the big eye-opening thing where I was like, oh my God, I actually can't keep using any sort of job to distract me from myself because now like all of that discontent is still bubbling over into career. And so probably like seven, six or seven years ago, um, sort of had like a wake up call between career relationships, my sense of self, my body image, like absolutely everything where I was too depressed and too anxious to function. And that sort of, it it was the horrible and incredible unraveling that led to me finally seeking help on my own. And through that process, I was like, it's actually really struggling to connect with like one line of thought or one like healing modality. I was a yoga teacher for a really long time. That was like a great foot in the door to spirituality, but I like science and data. I also like a lot of the woo-woo and the mindfulness and, and the crunchy spirituality and aliens and all of that fun, weird, very real stuff. Um, so I kind of like made my own version of healing that worked for me. And I found along the way that there were a lot of people that also kind of were were seeking on some level that approach. And so that's what I offer now is this blend of scientific, spiritual, and tactical anxiety management. But Lisa, like, you know, anxiety is just, it's just a word that describes a physical sensation. What we're actually looking at is your fear, your shame, your self-doubt, where are you lying to yourself? And then that's really where we get in and do a lot of the deeper development work. I think that's something that you very much empowered me to do as well. When I was starting to form my business and say, I'm an empath coach, nothing really like that existed. And I'm sure it was similar for you when you started. And you were like, that's amazing. And I was like, well, there's nothing like that out there. And like, Mm -hmm. how do I do it? And I know that it's an umbrella term for all these other things. How do I create it? And you really empowered me to make it my own and combine the things that resonated with me. Vivid, vividly remember when you texted me, I don't remember if it was a voice note or a text, but I was in the Bay Area. I was sitting in my car because I could not find a parking spot. And I was sending, it was voice notes back and forth with you. And you were like, I think it's like, an empath coach or something. And I had full body chills. I was like, yes, that's it. And the fact that there isn't something like that out there is like all the more reason why I wanted you to just at least explore it more because very similar to an anxiety coach, like people don't know what they need until they see it in front of them and have a connection point. And like, you have a wealth of experiences to share with people that people can connect to. And like, I really firmly believe people want to work with someone that approaches whatever the work is, like a human, like you can talk to them like a real person, and you can be honest with them and know you're not going to get judged. And um, yeah, it's just, it's great to be in great company. And I'm just so proud of you. And I'll stop my commercial for you now. (laughs) I'm curious, like, what do people typically come for you for? Like when they 
have that first call with you? What are they usually telling you is going on? Yeah, it's so funny because there's a couple of like key categories, but as you actually know pretty well, whatever you think you're coming to work on, it's usually very little to do with that one thing. And it's usually something deeper. So the the main categories, usually like anxious within career and at a high level, that might be like imposter syndrome or lack of belief in self, or they want to change. They don't know where to go. Relationship anxiety is a very, very big one. Um, and then there's also just like general anxiety, which is I just don't feel like me and I don't know what me feels like. So often people kind of come in with maybe like a sticker, like this is the thing that I think is going on. And really, as we start to do like that first layer of digging in week one or week two, it's like, oh no, it's belief in self. Where did you lose your belief in self? Like, how do we actually shift that? First time was one thing. And then a couple months later, it's like, wait, actually, here's the other thing that's deeper that I want to talk about more, which I think is cool because any sort of coaching, it's just an opportunity to like peel back more layers. And it's also like proof in the pudding that you're never fully there, right? Like you don't go through one therapy session or one coaching package and you're like, I'm healed. I got it all together. It's <laughs> no, you build awareness and then you grow from there. And that's, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And if it wasn't clear already to the Elevation Nation, Amanda was the first coach that I ever, she was the catalyst in a lot of my growth in booking her as my first coach and taking on this whole world. And it was the first time that we worked on career together yeah. and building out my pro my whole coaching program and business and all of that. It was the second time that we dug into relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That's> fun. <laughs> it, it was so fun. <laughs> Me just crying constantly. Oh man. Um, and we worked through a lot of that relationship anxiety a lot of the empath narcissist stuff. So let's just get into that since we're talking about it. Why not? Let's talk about the empath narcissist cycle. Elevation Nation, if you haven't listened to the first episode about the empath narcissist cycle, you should go listen to it. Get some context here because we're going to be talking about that relationship. Why don't you kind of talk about the empath narcissist cycle? Why do they attract each other? What's going on? And we'll start there. Yeah, uh, I I would imagine your audience is already pretty primed to understanding like what an empath is, right? It's this incredible, incredible gift of sensitivity and awareness. And often empaths, when when that energy goes unrecognized, uh, we tend to be givers, which I think is a really wonderful thing. But giver can slide very quickly into fixer. And that is a space where often there's not a ton of boundaries. And so it can get really confusing with when an empath and a narcissist begin to engage with each other because an empath does a really wonderful job of seeing and absorbing someone's energy and mirroring back what they want to hear. And it's all like from good intention. The shadow side is that there's often, as I said, not an awareness to boundaries. And when you're interacting with a narcissist, 
they feed off. That's that's the perfect match. It's, oh, there's someone who can give me the emotional validation I need. And I actually don't have to do a ton in return because they like doing it. The empath has that in their nature. So even a relationship can come off or come off. It can start as what seems like really happy or fun or balanced. And then it can with, you know, the, the wrong or the very right mix of two people, um, it can become a, a fairly damaging emotional whirlwind because at some point or another, if you're engaging with a true narcissist, um, you are basically being drained and depleted of all of your energy as an empath and the narcissist gives less and less. I think there's that phrase like it's, it's kind of like breadcrumbing, right? It's like, oh, I don't have to give you as much anymore. And if that goes unprocessed on the empath end, you're kind of left questioning your worth. You're questioning your integrity. Like, why can't I leave? Why do I still show up here? Which is also why I'm really glad that you kind of work within the empath space specifically to help people understand, like, it's not being an empath is not like, um, you know, a scarlet letter. It's a wonderful thing, but here's a lot that you need to know to take care of yourself so that you don't get into these like, God, just awful draining relationships or something ships. It wasn't until within the last few years after working with you on this particular relationship that I really started to notice that draining after. And it was, oh my gosh, I just realized this moment that you and I had, I was on a call with you and I was like, Amanda, I am so limited and blocked. Like nothing's happening. I, I can't, I can't attract this. <laughs> I can't attract the home I want. I can't like nothing's working. And you were like, is there anything else it could be? You had no idea what like, Hey, that you I haven't was. told me yet. Yeah. <laughs> You you asked that, and I was like, so I'm talking to him again? <laughs> and you were like, well, yeah. Yes. So to talk about the energy that happened oh my when that's God. happening. I, I vividly remember that because I really had no clue that you um, – we're talking to this dude again. And so it, it, just for, for more background context, like I, I firmly believe because I've lived it, I've gotten this lesson myself many times. I wish that I didn't have to keep giving myself this lesson. But whenever I run up against a block, and I'm, I'm speaking in the eye, but this is just like basics of, of energy in the world. Uh, whenever I run into a block, and I'm like, but I'm doing all of the right things and I'm like following all of the steps and whatever. You got to look at like the other areas of your life where something is taking up more energy than needed. Uh, what are you holding on to? Because the way that I like visually think about it is like Tetris. It's like you got to have a couple of blocks come down, click and clear space for like the next set of blocks to come in. Um, and so Lisa was like, yeah, I just feel really like stuck creatively. And like, I remember you were really like angry at the time too. And I was like, what else? Like, you got to look, there's got to be something else that's either in your life or that's kind of like stagnant in the corners that's got to be cleared up because sec sexual energy is creative energy. And especially it's second chakra stuff, right? So if you're I'll speak, <laughs> I'll put in a real short, clear example. Uh, 
anytime I have been creatively blocked in my work um, or just like emotionally creatively blocked, um, it's usually because I'm hanging on to a dead relationship and I know it and I'm not ready to face it. And it's like every single time I have taken steps to either have a conversation and clear that energy or let that person go, things start flowing again. So it's, it really is just like looking in the medical metaphorical river of you. And it's like, who just put up a dam and why am I resistant to like unblocking it? Cause that's, that's a big piece of it, right? Is you might know exactly what is taking up your energy and you either aren't yet ready to let go of it. You're afraid to let go of it, or you just don't know how. I found myself there before. I'm like, I want to let this go. I just like, it it, it, feel, it felt like an addiction to a certain degree. You're like, I literally like can't, I can't let this person go, even though all of the writing is on the wall. And quite literally, the writing is in my text messages. It goes against all logic. I don't know what's wrong with me. That's where it also gets into this like serious self-doubt because you're like, am I just a fucking idiot? Like, why can't I shift to this right now? Yeah. And I've talked about that too. We, we've talked about that too. It acting like an addiction, like, well, if I let go, like, what am I going to do? And I remember having moments with you of like panic at the thought of that person not being in my life, which is crazy because I was not treated well. It's so Yes, it's like crazy in theory, but it's also it, it's it's not crazy spiritually. It's also just not crazy. Like if you look at brain chemistry as especially with a narcissist who does a really good job of like dripping communication or dripping like needs being met, the the farther between those are, the more like hungry or addictive the empath is gonna get. So when you get that hit, it lights up all of the reward systems in your mind and body and you feel at peace. And so even if your thoughts are like, I know this person's bad, like they're not right for me, um, your your brain and your body are convinced that that's not true because you are deep in that addictive cycle. And that's where it becomes really, really important to do I always say, I always say like start with neural reprogramming, like training yourself into a different belief system. But with empath narcissists or any relationship stuff, even before you like shift the like top level thoughts of like, I deserve better or this person is not right for me. You've got to go a couple layers deeper into worth. And it's like, who within me believes that that's the best I can do? And then how do I build up that version of myself? So like, with my uh, experience with a, a narcissist, um, I was in my early mid twenties, and as triggered as I was, like at that age, it wasn't a twenty-something-year-old me showing up to that relationship. It was a sixteen-year-old me who had a lot of wounding and needed to be chosen, and was afraid of like worst-case scenario. And so I really had to go back and do like way younger inner child work to work on like emotional uh, nurturing or nourishment of those belief systems I still held within me that like either love had to be earned or that love had to be really hard and awful. And that was like the best I could get. And so you work on that like inner nurturing first, and then you can start pairing on the like 
and I deserve better. And like, you know, all of the positive future-based thoughts that you want to create. What would you say to someone who's maybe listening to this and thinking, hmm, maybe I'm in one of these right now? How, where should I start? So I feel like, I feel like there's, there's a couple of versions of like that, uh, that awareness where you're like, that's me. I need to fix it all immediately right now. What do I do? And then there's the like, I'm pretty sure that's me, but like also maybe it'll change, you know, that like hopeful kind of energy. Um, so wherever you fall on the spectrum, do not rush the process. Obviously, don't delay your own inner work at the sake of like trying to keep or maintain a relationship, but don't rush it in the sense that even when, and we'll put it as an affirmative, when you break up with someone who is draining your energy and not meeting your needs, there's still going to be a lot of space for you to then look at, well, what are my needs and why wasn't I honoring them before? And so I, I say start with that work. Like, get really clear on what your needs are. Get really clear on where you self-abandon to make someone else feel better. There is a piece of ownership, right? Looking to check, do I have toxic behaviors? Do I have things that I need to clean up for myself? Uh, that is very important to also look at. It can become tricky territory, though, when you are in partnership with someone who's also like whether it's narcissistic or just like you know a taker or a little mentally um, and grounded is you don't want to go so far down that territory that you're like, oh shit, all of this is my fault if it's actually not. So when you're checking for your own toxic behaviors, when you're checking for the places where you're out of integrity, keep it really in your lane and then bring in the analysis. And I don't mean that in a clinical term, but the analysis and understanding of like how you interact with that person. Got to start with you and your heart and, and go slow, go slow. If you move fast, you're going to miss things or you're going to break up tomorrow and get back with them two weeks from now because you have not taken the time to look at like, why? <laughs> what do I right. need? How do I honor myself? And I, that was something you encouraged me to do was to look at what parts am I looking for in that person that I need to be giving to myself? Yeah. Let's talk about even more recent times when I'm doing all of this work and I know, I consciously know that he is blocking me and I still make the choices to go back. Why do you think that we continue to go back, even when we know? It's easier. It's easier. Um, it, it is, well, it's the tricky kind of easier. It's it's much easier for your subconscious mind because it validates uh, some core beliefs that you still haven't worked through, if that makes sense. So like with, with my, one of my previous relationships, I know I like every, I, I won't even get into all of the reasons why, but it was just like, Amanda, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? I saw a couple of core beliefs that I hadn't worked through. One was my savior complex. Like there was a lot of ego, like how the fuck, how, how come I can't change him? Um, so there was a little bit of that that was still there. And I also had some like deeper rooted beliefs about relationships, like this person is the only one who can intellectually stimulate me. I'll never have this kind of chemistry with someone. 
And then there was also worth is I just, a part of me was resigned to the fact that maybe all relationships were just going to be like this because uh, I'm a, I'm a strong personality and my life is great. So maybe relationships are where life is not great and that's okay. And those were all stories and they were very subtle, but I was exhausted. Like I didn't want to keep working through that stuff. And so it was easier to just go back and try again. And you set off a reward system because your subconscious mind is like, yep, see, all of those thoughts were true. This is fine. You deserve to be here, which is why like, and I think I stress this with you. It's like, we don't get into judgment when you go back or if you've ever gone back or you have thoughts about someone or whatever. It's like, you're human and you have a lot of emotions. Like, it's all good. Stay as best you can out of the judgment. And then when you have like some store or some reserve of energy, you really do need to look lovingly at why you're allowing this to happen. Because really, twin flame, narcissist, empath, like any sort of relationship that's like tumultuous, I believe it's sent to you or you experience it because it's trying to wake you the fuck up to actually like become bigger and stand in yourself more rather than give yourself away to people all the time. And I have found through my experience and working with people now on this, there's obviously it's so much about validation. And that's, that was the case for me because he was like, you know, I just looked up to him so much. I met him when I was 17 and he was older than me and he went to the school I wanted to go to and all of these things. And it still was that way even recently. So it, it was like, Oh, he chose me. Mm Hmm. Uh And there was, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you or on the podcast, but there was this uh, love bombing element Oh yeah, that was like, I want to have children with you. I see you as my partner forever, even though that was really never the, what was supposed to happen or anything like that. And I've seen that as the as a common theme in other relationships that I've been working with people on is that love bombing. Yeah. Oh my God. My, one, my ex used to, uh, I don't even like calling him my ex, but I never knew how drunk he was. Like a lot of the time, like he just would disguise it pretty well. And he had a lot of other things going on too. I love you. I want to marry you. Let's go get married right now. Let's drive to Vegas. Like all of these, like, first of all, insane things, really intense things, scary that there was a point where I was like, okay, maybe, maybe that'll be what like actually fixes things and changes things. And then the next day would be like, I never said that. What are you talking about? And so that's, that's another element of it where like your intelligence or your integrity really gets challenged, really gets challenged. And you're like, uh, 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 like you actually are made to feel crazy. And I do I do want to just like do a little sidebar here. I don't blame, I I really don't blame narcissists. I do and I don't like, I mean this really in the 500 foot from above view where it's like for someone to be in a state where they are okay with that level of manipulation, there's a lot of stuff that they're avoiding that they got to work on. And so 
forgiveness and understanding does not equate to I want or I accept this behavior. But when you have enough separation from it, you can really look and see like, oh my God, there's a lot of demons that that type of person just is not equipped to handle. And when you get to that level of awareness too, it, it, it's more grounding to stand on in your person where it's like, oh my God, I'm so grateful that I worked through that because I've always had like a, and I'm talking in the general eye now, like if you can recognize you've been in a narcissist empath relationship, you already have a pretty good sense of awareness. So creating that separation, like just reinforces more of, yes, see, my intuition was always right. It wasn't that I was crazy. It was, I just needed to actually give myself some more love and myself some more awareness to to get to the space where I'm now in a healthy place. I like to say that everyone is empathic, but it's- it's sometimes, especially the narcissist, like there is something that's happened that they've absorbed as an empath, as a child that has hardened them to make them who they are now. And fear. it's fear and insecurity. Yeah, exactly. And power. and power. Something that I work with my clients on too is there's so much of this, um, well, they were my soulmate. We have pa- we've had past lives together. Twin flame, as you said, that passion and the romance behind it, and a lot of it is reminding myself and them that that person isn't operating from the soul, really, in this yeah. lifetime. You know, it, it's also it's also like, and this we're not going to get into like media breakdowns of like what we've been fed in terms of relationships, but like soulmate does not mean you're one and only twin flame does not mean you're one and only. I want to shake younger versions of myself when when I was like, yeah, but it's my soulmate. Okay. You have literally maybe not millions, but like, well, also who knows? Soulmate does not mean you are with them forever. Twin flame is often, I am here to wake you the fuck up. Hopefully I'm also going to wake up in this process, but most people's growth paths, like they're not going to be in sync 24 seven or that like tumultuous piece of the relationship would be there. You know what I mean? And so it's like, there's a bit of unplugging from if, if someone has like an unhealthy or just like a misperception of what soulmate is, it's like, you got to check that too, because that, that's like a concept that we we make logical and we also create it as spiritual justification to keep working through something with someone. And I think that can be really tricky territory because it's hard to differentiate your human needs and your human boundaries when you're like, yes, but it's a soulmate. Yeah. Also, like this might have been your soul contract for them to come into your life and like royally mess you up so that you can never, ever get to this place again. So you can heal not just your wounds, but your karmic lineage and your parents' stuff. So when you, if you choose to have kids, you're not passing that shit down to them. Like we got to take a bigger, more expanded view of like soulmate, I think. Exactly. You said it perfectly. I want to talk about the small steps that we take towards leaving these relationships, healing these relationships. So let's get into the healing aspect. I remember, I think this was something that we talked about, the baby steps in the beginning mm-hmm. of like, okay, you went one day without speaking to them. How do you s- start those baby steps and then kind of build that trust within yourself and others? Yeah, I think no contact is like what everyone 
kind of knows in the back of their mind needs to happen when it's um, like a pretty unbalanced or addictive patterned relationship. But saying, I'm not going to talk to this person ever again. If you've gone back on your commitment to self in that in that area before, like there's already no trust there. It's just, it's a flimsy statement. So we do baby steps and it might not even be, I'm not going to talk to this person today. You might want to look at it as, um, I'm not going to engage in this type of behavior. So for me, it was like um, poking, poking to get a rise or response. And I noticed that I was starting to like drop into a different kind of really weird, bad energy within myself. So that was when I had to peel back first was like, okay, when I want to do that, I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to see how long. And then I would build on like, you know what? I'm not going to look at social media. I'm not going to do X or Y. And so you can build based on the behavior changes you have the capacity for while working towards no contact. Um, That's really where, you know, day by day or week by week or whatever can be really helpful or healthy. Um, I know in my, it's also so crazy. I was going through my emails, like deleting things because I have zero storage. And I found emails years ago at this point from my, uh, you know, that narcissistic relationship. And I had put up a boundary. It was the first time I like actually felt like I was going to commit to me, commit to myself. I was like, I can't, I, if I'm going to be with someone, I need more. You are, you have voiced, you are not capable of that. We cannot talk. And I remember that day getting like a barrage of text messages that were just like wild. By the way, hadn't been texting me all before that. But the second I pull away and he loses power, it was like, but we could be doing this right now. We could be doing that. And like, what are you giving up and whatever? So then I went full no contact and I blocked him on social media, on my phone. That night, I think he had done like mushrooms or something. And then I woke up to like two emails from him. He messaged me on his like side Instagram accounts. He messaged me on Facebook and I had this like, like time slowed down moment. I was like, holy shit, this is going to be like a way harder. And B, it was also just like, this was really never about emotion or care so much as it was about control. And it actually became easier once I was able to like, look at that truth. So just as like a note or advice to people is like, as you build your baby steps and you work towards no contact, build in without like manifesting or expecting like it'll cave again at some point, build in an expectation that for someone who thrives on control, they're going to find a way or may find a way to contact you. That does not mean it's the universe dropping this person back in for you to reconnect. I encourage you to position it as this is a test. It's not pass fail, but it's an opportunity to really make sure that I am grounded in myself and that I I can consistently stand up for my needs, even when it is hard. I've unblocked this dude maybe once or twice before years later. One time within 10 minutes of unblocking him, he had messaged me like, relax, (laughs) relax, had girlfriends would message me like, it just, it, it, the behavior doesn't change unless someone seeks help. And so that's another thing, just like, unless someone is working on their shit, 
if you are working on yours, you need to find someone at some point, if you want another partner, that's at your level. But also, you need to be by yourself for a little bit. <laughs> I couldn't, right. couldn't deal with that at first. I was like, what do you mean? I love that you said opportunity because that's what I always say. What a beautiful opportunity to do things differently this time is what my mantra to myself and I encourage my clients to use as well. What a beautiful opportunity to do things different this time mm. because I had not done things different. I had always, always, always unblocked, went back, texted back, fell back into the cycle. Like you said, with blocking, would text me from a different burner number. Ew. Also, ew. who has a burner phone? <laughs> <laughs> like just any way yeah. to just kind of still be touching my energy in some way. It is also like a testament to how powerful like an empath's energy is and how much you can give and how much, um, you know, that energy can be valued. It's just, it's like, oh shit, I, I was placing it into the wrong hands. This is even more justification for me to be really, really loving and careful with my energy moving forward. And that's not careful as in like, I'm emotionally anorexic. I'm not trusting anyone. I'm not like, you know, we're, it's nothing like that, but mindful about your energy. You know, it's, it's without it, it being like, I'm putting myself on a pedestal I or yourself. It's like, is this person worthy of my energy? Can they hold what I have to offer without um, threatening my grounding, threatening my mental health, threatening the stability that I've created for myself. So I think that's like, again, it's it's a couple of steps ahead, but there's a nice retrospective lesson you get too, which is like, as you work through the hard stuff, and it's hard and it sucks, because uh, every, it, again, like an addiction, every part of you is like, I want to text them, I want to get a rise out of them, or I want them to do th- whatever. As you develop your own muscle of mindfulness, it becomes very rewarding to be able to honor yourself consistently, sometimes for the first time ever within uh, the relationship space. I talk about that on the power episode, which you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Mm-hmm. The power episode of like what you said, like to, I want to text them to get a rise out of them because we want to take the power back in situations where we didn't feel like we had the power. Yep. because that's your instinct. You're like, Oh, I want to take the power back in this situation. But we have to remember that it's not our responsibility to have power over narcissists. It's our responsibility to find healthy relationships. Yeah. And it's also not your power to begin with, you know, and that's, that's like the, the ditch that we tend to fall into is this like false idea that someone else has our power or they've taken our power. You've given it to them. And that's not, that's not like a, you know, a, a note to shame you or to shame my former versions of myself, but no one can take your power. People can certainly dim it or trick you into thinking you have lost it or whatever, but what is yours is always yours. And when it feels like it has been taken, I encourage you to take that as a cue to go inward and say, how do I bring that back within me? How do I bring that back within me? So it is within the container of your mind, body, and soul rather than seeking to pull it back from someone else. I mean, 
as I'm saying this, almost like you probably should do some like energetic clearings, like do actually pull the the invisible energy back with like a healer or something like that. But I'm talking more about the mindset stuff. I remember just like after seeing that person and then, you know, some others after that Mm -hmm. we'll talk about just feeling exhausted for days, almost like I had a hangover, which was the energetic hangover happening, exhausted, moody. It was worse. It it drains because you have to do outside of like the actual, just any interpersonal exchange, like it's an exchange of uh, invisible and nonverbal energy. And that's with like, you know, normal or casual encounter. So when you're with someone who has narcissistic tendencies, there is usually a little bit more of that energy energy drain going on naturally. But as you showing up to that type of a relationship, you're also typically doing like double duty. It's I have to show up for them as them. You're trying to either not process or push down that like soul nudge that's like, hey, you know, this isn't right. You need to stop ignoring or avoiding. So there's like so much that's going on in your mind and your spirit, like running in the background that that energy hangover is so real and so powerful. And it can become like, I know for me, it it became, um, like a pretty negative spin cycle because I was consistently draining so much energy that I didn't really have a ton left over to like deal with any of my truths that I needed to look at. I didn't have time to deal with processing until it got too bad. But, you know, we don't have to always reach that rock bottom to start changing. It's it's small, small mindful shifts in how you engage with someone to like get some more of your energy. Right. And I remember feeling that drainage. And then once I kind of decided, okay, this is going to be the time I'm leaving. That's it. I remember the first time I manifested the house I'm sitting in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember the, the next few times. And then after the final time I manifested some bigger clients each time. Yep. So it was like a sure sign. And and it's, I think like the first or second time something like that happens, it's almost easy to be like, oh, that was a coincidence. But it's, I mean, it's not like coincidences are bullshit. Like that does, that word is so stupid to me. Coincidences don't exist. (laughs) It's, yes, it's what we talked about earlier. It's like you have stores of energy to like call in more or work on more or whatever. You're also, you've evolved every time we set a boundary that is for ourselves or every time we claim more of who we're becoming, it's like you take a step up with uh, on your own like metaphorical soul ladder. And so new things meet you there. Like those clients that you wound up um, receiving, they were always there, right? Those people weren't born yesterday and then like matured, had their whole life. And then the second um, you met them was when you met them. They were probably ready and waiting for you. And you had to create some more of those shifts to be able to receive and then work with them. I also think it's like the karmic joke because anytime I've had like something (laughs) uh, like annoying come up in my life that I have to work through, I'm like, I know what happens. I have to deal with this. And then like, whatever else it is that I want to create or I'm working on is going to come through. And it always does. But it's like, come on, man. 
I don't want to deal with it. Like sometimes you <laughs> don't want to deal with it yet. Uh, right. Which, which I feel like people don't talk about enough. Like doing inner work is really hard and it's okay if you're like, Ugh, not today. Like if you, if you press pause for a day or two, cause you need to nap or not think about it or just have fun. That's okay. Just make sure you're not self-abandoning in the process and come back to it when you're like, okay, yep, I'm ready to work on this. And then when we move on, okay, we're we're going back out in that dating scene. I'm going to speak from experience. Yeah. Kind of. We go back into the dating scene and then we start attracting more narcissists. Mm-hmm. When we thought that we were done with them. Yeah. How do we navigate spotting them and making sure we don't fall back into the same cycle with just a different person, same person, but in different form. (laughs) (laughs) So I love this question. Um, There's, it, it becomes a little subjective, but there's a couple of important general places to start. Very similar to what you said before, where it's like, what a beautiful opportunity to do things differently. I do think that you kind of just are going to keep running into some of the same people and it's more an opportunity for reflection. Like, do I want this? Is this the version of of someone that will actually meet my needs and vice versa? So it's a reflection opportunity, but often like you just don't know until you've like gone on a couple dates, you're already dating them. There's already that emotional connection. I find it's really important to do a couple of things. One is go back to an old written list or journal. Like what do you actually need in a relationship? What are you actually looking for? And you can use the ex or the previous relationship as the negative space. So it's like if he... Uh, was uncommunicative. Well, my next person, I would like them to be this kind of a communicator and to do X, Y, and Z. Obviously without being like militant about it, but it's important to have a clear understanding of what your needs are so that you can spot them when they're not being met. And then it becomes, if you are somewhat involved in that person, it's walking away sooner. And you got to check for your old patterns, like being mindful of the fixer or the ego or the whatever that wants to come out to play. I I think it's, I got to flex my no muscle here. I just went through that. I, I, same, same, but different. Like my framing is always when I choose to be with someone, my intention is for them to be better and, you know, not better as a person, but better for me than the last person. Um, so there's n- there's always a boundary for me. Like I'm never downgrading in any sense. I was dating a really great guy, really great guy. Had a lot of fun. He was a lot of the things that I was looking for. He was pretty fulfilled. He was by no means a narcissist. Um, he was pretty fulfilled in the relationship, but I wasn't. I wasn't. There were things that like emotionally, I just wanted more interpersonally. And I felt my olds like, oh, maybe I'll just dim myself or maybe I'll change or maybe I'll hope that he can change. I felt that starting to rise and I felt my vital energy starting to decrease. I was like more tired. I was just like not taking care of myself as much. And I was like, oh, okay, 
Like, so it doesn't always have to be a narcissist. Sometimes you just need to be really aware of what you want. Um, And so it's not always easy to like flex the no muscle, but I got to tell you, like any sort of breakup, if you work through it mindfully, that was the best breakup I've ever had. Not in terms of like how we broke up. That was like normal and fine, but oh my God, I learned so much about myself. I am so clear on my needs. I feel so good about myself. So I think there's also this like premature reminder that you have to ground down in is like, if this person's not for me, like I want to, I want to get clear on that now so that I can be more me. And that if, again, if you choose to have a partner, then that's the person that's going to be magnetized towards you. But sometimes we just need more learning experiences to like build our character, you know? It doesn't always have to be bad and painful. Because, you know, some of those relationships bring us a lot of that self-doubt or they create a lot of self-doubt within us. And we get back on the dating scene and understandably, we kind of have a, a hard time saying no or setting boundaries and it creates anxiety. What is your kind of go-to reminder for people going back on the dating scene? Be really mindful about what your past. So I'll, I'll speak from the eye. Anxious attached. I am pretty secure attached as a person now, but like anxious attachment will always be in me, even in a healthy relationship. So for me, it's not as easy to say like, if I feel anxious, that's not the right person for me because like, I can't guarantee that that might be my stories creating some anxiety and it's not grounded in truth. I'm mindful first of my patterns and then I move really slowly as I discern partners. Um, And I don't even necessarily mean like slowly in terms of number of dates or if you're physical, like I just mean slowly in my mind. And a piece of that is like, you've got to lean back and be grounded in your sovereignty. And I, I don't mean, you know, don't put in any work or any effort, but if you're someone who tends to give, you are an empath, you Uh, you you know what your patterns are and you've done a lot of work on your worth. Relationships usually are going to be the space where uh, it's a little faulty or it gets triggered. That's a great place to practice. Like, no, I I know what I want and I know what I deserve and I'm not going to be in like a demanding space for for it, but I'm going to be really loving about it. And that energy creates not detachedness, but like non-attachment where I date now and I'm just like, huh, you're a great guy. Not great for me. I think you're really awesome. And I'm having a lot of fun, but I'm just going to lean back here because I'm not harboring anymore this like rush to connect or this need to be validated. So that's the other piece of it, right? Is like, you got to ask yourself when you enter the dating scene, why? And get really clear on that. Is it just to have fun and you're 100% honest with yourself? Are you looking for a comfortable friends with benefits? Are you looking for your one and only kind of like you want to date seriously? But often we're not clear from the get-go when we re-enter and that's where our wires get crossed. I'm in a place right now where I'm like, I don't know, I could date, I could not date. I love me. No one's really like getting super deep into my life unless you can like really, really add to it. And that's, I'm not, I have no anxiety about dating anymore. I feel awesome when I go on dates. I'm like, I'm so great and you're so great and this is so fun. But it started with getting really clear on my why. I'm smiling because I'm going through this right now. Of just 
anytime I feel that like desire to go back on the dating apps, I'm like, okay, well, why first? Is it coming from a place of, I feel lonely? Yeah. Or is it, do I want to meet someone and have a good time? I am being very more, very much more intentional with each step that I'm taking. It also, I think there's like a little bit of test and learn too. You know, like I was in a space where I was like, I don't know, maybe I do just like want to date someone and like have something fun. And then I like started to try it. And I was like, "Eh." like, no, this doesn't feel good. This is fun. But like, I'm moving my day around to accommodate someone that like, I don't actually even really care about, like, or I'm thinking I'm starting to question my worth for no reason. And so it's like, yeah, no, actually like, no, I'm good. And it feels good to like, be really honest with yourself about that. I used to always be like, I just want to date for the stories. And that was really true for a really long time. But like, I don't need any more stories, my friends. I don't need any more stories. I'm good. <laughs> that is how I was for a while, too. I don't, I feel very similarly. I'm, I don't need any more stories. So what would you say to someone when they're getting on the dating scene and they have that dating anxiety how do they build that confidence within themselves? I am kind of asking for myself too. <laughs> um, I will share with you what I've done. Um, a, a couple of things, but one is like, most of us are like clear in our hearts on what feels good or what we want or what we don't, but like we never actually put it down anywhere. This is different than a, who is my partner manifestation list. This is like, like, dating security guidelines for yourself. And it's like, what are your red flags, yellow flags, green flags for continuing to say yes to dates Um, or starting dating period or, or deciding if you want to go see someone. And I encourage you to like make those as specific as possible. So like if I I had a client who um, she just really does not want to talk about exes on a first date. And so for her, it's a big red flag because there's been patterns of interactions like this where her dates will unravel their divorce, their relationship history, their kids, like all within the first 10 minutes of meeting. And those have consistently led to like really unfulfilling or toxic relationships. So like that's a huge red flag for her. That's not a first date thing. A yellow or a, a, you know, an orange flag or whatever might be like them mentioning like, oh, I have kids, happy to tell you more at some point or something like that, you know, and, and, and you've got to understand that level of specificity for yourself. But what you're doing when you make like red, yellow, green is you're creating honesty checkpoints so that you don't self-abandon because you're lonely or because you're bored. So that's one thing. And then I know that this is like, standard advice, but I definitely didn't actually do it for a really long time. Make your life robust. Like take, take so much joy and pleasure in your actual life. And it doesn't, doesn't have to mean that you have this like buzzing social calendar, but connect back to like, what excites you about your life? What are you proud of about yourself? Like make it a habit of championing what is going right, championing how awesome parts of your life are. And if there are parts that aren't awesome, work on those, like any sort of relationship. I I even think casual or otherwise, like they're only meant to add to your life or they should only add. And so what are they adding to? 
look at that space. Are you happy, grounded, proud of that space? And if not, like have fun playing there because A, it's a great use of your time and B, when and if someone does enter your space, they're not going to consume all of your thoughts because there are other things that are really like important to you that you you are not going to self-sacrifice just because you want to be chosen or because you're bored or whatever. It's it's not hot girl summer. It's hot girl life, my friends. It's hot they, them <laughs> life. It's hot him life. Like everyone just stop worrying about the other person. Like after you've done your processing and your trauma unpacking and you're, you're re-entering the dating scene, don't fucking worry about these other people. Like you have to lean back and remember how incredible you are and just like be grounded in that. It's so much more fun that way. But you got to unpack your trauma first. Yeah. You got to you got to do some shadow work before you jump in. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, but I I love your point that it you don't have to like do all of the shadow work in like four straight days and like <laughs> really dive deep. It can be a little bit at a time. It can be when you feel ready to take that on when you have the space and everything like that. But also don't delay it because yeah. there's so much reward on the other side. perfectly said. So what is upcoming for you? What are you working on? Mm. You're asking me this on a Monday. So I'm literally like looking at my to-do list. Um, So upcoming, I am launching my podcast towards the end of this summer. It's called Anxiety Talks with Amanda Huggins. You are definitely going to be on. Um, So excited. I'm super excited just because like there's such a spread of conversations and guests. Like I'll be talking a lot about basic anxiety management and mind body connection, but I had a a love addict coach on. We had an awesome conversation. I had um, another one of my buddies from TikTok. Who's like, he just does such a good job of bite-sized spirituality. Like there's just so many good conversations. I like can't wait to get that out in the wild. So that will be coming. And then Early fall, I'm going to be launching a larger like group course apprenticeship program. Um, We're still putting the final touches on podcasts before that starts to open up. And then there's one-on-one clients on a rolling basis. Great. And how can people connect with you? How can they work with you? You can find all coaching information at amandahuggingscoaching.com. And then I'm on Instagram and TikTok at it's Amanda Huggins for coaching specific inquiries. Don't do TikTok, do Instagram and I'll send you the link or just go straight to my site and you can apply under the coaching tab. Great. And I will have all of these links down below. Thank you so much for being here, my sweet darling angel. Thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your wisdom and thank you for all that you do, not just with me personally, but with the rest of the world. So thank you. My pleasure. And I'm just so proud of you and you're such a great host. And I, yeah, I'm just, just real happy, real proud. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm proud of you too. Thank Ah. you for being here. Ah. Thank you all for listening, my sweet elevated empaths. I hope you loved this episode. I feel so lucky to have such wonderful guests like Amanda to come on this podcast and share their knowledge with you. And if you'd like to connect with Amanda, she is at it's Amanda Huggins on Instagram and TikTok. And I will have all the links below for you to connect with her. 
Don't forget to like, comment, share, subscribe, follow, write a review, rate this podcast five stars and write in to tell me what you think about this episode and what you'd like me to talk about next. Don't forget to follow me at The Elevated Empath on TikTok and Instagram. And I hope you feel so elevated and I'll see you next time.